0: You are listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that looks at lesbian and queer women on big and small screens. This season we are delving into the global phenomenon of and Tina. I'm Sheena, my pronouns are she, her.
1: Hi everyone, excited to be here. Monica McCowan, my pronouns are she, her as well, and I am a lesbian author and Juliantina superfan and aficionado, I guess, which is why I was invited to be on this podcast, but uh, extremely excited to, to get to
0: relive one of my favorite fandoms that I've ever been a part of. So when we left off last time, we were in the aftermath of what happened after Jules slept with Sergio, and so we start with this gorgeous shot of Jules close up. She's obviously naked underneath the blanket. She's kind of turned away from Sergio. She looks very unhappy and he's asking her, you know, how was it? Did you enjoy it? Does it answer your questions? And she just says to him, I want to leave. Yeah. She's such a sad
1: Panda. Um, but again, you know, in the back and forth of Sergio, he apologizes, says she doesn't have to leave, that he wants her to be able to stay here. And he does seem genuinely upset at how upset she is because he was not expecting that reaction.
0: Absolutely. As you pointed out last time, Suja is not super invested in sex. It just happens to be something that you do when you find somebody you can hook up with. And so to have such a big reaction from somebody who... Was, you know, having sex as a kind of experimentation, at least from his point of view. It was just supposed to be a fun experiment to see, hey, did you like it or not? And she's got this very big reaction to it. It's surprising, and, and of course he's unhappy about it. Nobody wants to have that reaction after being intimate with someone.
1: Yeah, and I really, the one thing I liked in the way they framed it is it really was nothing about his pride getting hurt. It was him genuinely being upset that Juliana was so upset because he just had not been expecting that to your point, sex is sex. And he does, you know, we can we can talk about like stereotypes of differences between genders and whether they're true or not. But he he does very much have what is considered kind of this male attitude where it's just like, well, if you're confused about something, make a choice and solve it and sex is what people have because it feels good and my best friend is an ass but he's been my best friend since we were kids and that's just how it is and for the last five years Val and Lucho have broken up and gotten back together so I don't expect that to change he's just very grounded in the reality he lives in I think is the best way to describe it So when you kind of look at him through that lens, his decisions make sense. Like he's a very, he sticks to his character archetype, to use that word again, when he's making decisions.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think for all his flaws, uh, I'm going to put it out there. I think Sergio tries to be as good a guy as is possible for him within his limitations as a human being.
1: Right. And I would argue the biggest limitation is that because he doesn't really understand the importance or the power of love and how it changes you and how it rocks your whole world, he just has this complete blind spot when it comes to it. And, you know, again, that's what I, if, I think it would have been interesting. It would have complicated the show in many ways. Um, to give Sergio his own story arc but looking at you know what we know about him that could have been a really interesting thing to have him go through you know to realize that love matters and kind of be changed by it Um, would have taken a lot of time and maybe some scenes from a baby so I'm glad they didn't do it Um, but there's this (laughs) there's this huge opportunity I won't say missed because it was you know intentional the stories they told But definitely, I think, could have helped him evolve as a character because he pretty much stays the same throughout the show.
0: I think we can chalk him up to uh, the good guy's side, though, for the most part. I don't think he has bad intentions. I think he's just very limited as a human being.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they do. And, you know, for this idea of bad guys and good guys... In a lot of Mexican telenovelas and just shows in general, historically it was like a very clear which side you fall on, but it is expanding to, you know, the the flawed villain or showing a side of the villain's humanity. And I think a really good, this is just kind of a little aside, but like the first time I ever saw that play out was when I saw the play Wicked and it just, like blew my mind because if you're not familiar uh wicked is the story of the wizard of oz told from the perspective of the wicked you guys can't see my air quotes but wicked is in air quotes which um and all about what she went through and how if you look at it in this way and just see a different side of the story she's not a villain so, you know, these are obviously not as complex as that in any way, shape, or form, but they definitely try to humanize Lucho and Sergio in spite of the things they would do, I would say.
0: Indeed. So now we cut back to Lupe, and she's saying, I saw them kissing, she's looking very distressed. Oh, she's talking to Beltran, who's actually Alcino in this professor dude's body, and he's getting upset. He's blaming Lupe for basically bad mothering and letting... um... Hang on, did she not know that that was Chino before, though? Apparently not. No. So, she's... I don't know, this dude, she knows him from somewhere, we don't We don't know exactly where they've met or whatever it is she's telling him about what's been happening with Jules, he goes off the deep end, tells her she's let Jules slip out of her grasp, bad mother blah blah blah, and then because of the way he's going on at her Lupe suddenly realizes this is El Chino.
1: I do think she already knew I think the conversation is though he has kept His bad personality pretty much under wraps because he's been, you know, living with this other woman and kind of having to rein it in. And he's been trying to make some, quote unquote, better choices in his life. Um, But his core personality really shines through when he hears something that he doesn't like, especially related to his family. And he just gets he wasn't physically violent with Lupe, but it is. Obvious that he is not okay with it and he blames Lupe for not controlling
0: Juliana better is
1: what it ultimately comes down to.
0: While he doesn't get physically violent in this particular scene, he will get violent physically in this body again. So it's not exactly like he has learned his lesson or whatever it is. All right, so now we cut back to Jules. She's looking really sad. She's obviously left Sergio's apartment. And she's standing on the street just leaning against some random wall with like graffiti on it. And she's crying and she's, you can see she's regretting everything. She's just not having a great time right now. And then two dudes run up, grab her, toss her in a car, and kidnap her. I
1: hate these scenes with a burning passion. They're very important because we see our girl Val really step up to the plate. Also, if you're going to kidnap somebody, like, park on the right side of the street. This is just a me being finicky. But I think they do it for the shot and the drama of, like, dragging her across the street. But kidnapping 101. Like, park the vehicle close to the target. I've been watching a lot of Person of Interest. Like, it's just a terrible idea. Um... Yeah, I just think that's so stupid every time I see it. But um, this will be interesting because of all the scenes that I rewatch, these are not the ones. Um, So these are some of the scenes I'm like the least versed and nuanced in. So it's a bunch of dudes doing bad things that I don't really care for.
0: So we're in the car and... Jules is, like, struggling, but this dude has got a hanky over her mouth trying to shut her up. Uh, Might even have that sleeping stuff on it. Chloroform. That's it. Then we cut back to Lupe with uh, Beltran, and she's confronting him. Who are you? And he's like, your guardian angel. So here's a really random bit of knowledge that I have. So this dude, who's playing um, Beltran, right was in like a thing with Barbara Lopez and the two of them played a couple. Anyway. Yeah. He's being charming and saying that Jules has grown up depraved and it's all Lupe's fault, basically.
1: Let's just side note. You're mad because your kid is gay and you literally got put in the electric chair. Like, who's depraved? Really? I... You know, fine. Have an opinion, whatever, but hypocrisy, uh, no
0: thank you. But then, interestingly enough, uh, Lupe gets a phone call and it's somebody telling her that Jules has been kidnapped, basically. Perla. I th- so Is the restaurant, I
1: restaurant,
0: think, restaurant check.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think she saw it. Um, I think Juliana was close to the restaurant and that's how they make it happen that it was that somebody knows almost immediately. And it's somebody that knows and can call Juliana's mother and let her know what's going on. And all I think about in this scene when they take her into this, like, big house where all the guys are hanging out. One, she's got to be really hungover. She might still be drunk. She's probably still drunk. (laughs) Because she was drinking a lot and they didn't go to sleep and she never drank. So she probably still drunk and she just had sex
0: and feels horrible about what she did. And the average time span of heterosexual sex is a lot shorter than the average time span of lesbian sex. So we know it couldn't have been more than like 15 minutes or so, maybe 20 minutes if, you know, there was some lying in and feeling sorry for herself afterwards. Right. So... There's definitely not been a lot of time passed for her to get over her, you know, the alcohol that she's been consuming. You're absolutely right. And there's a whole lot of dudes in this house and they are drinking and carousing and just generally it doesn't look like a happy, safe place. And they toss her into like a corner and there's, it's like a laundry room or something by the looks of it. And there's just bars on the windows, no handles on the doors, no way out, no furniture even to speak of in there.
1: Yeah. And Barbara Lopez does a great job in that scene of just being kind of devastated and overwhelmed. These, yeah, I think these scenes for as upsetting as they are really show her range and her ability.
0: Cause yeah, she looks inconsolable. Absolutely. I mean, you're randomly having like a freak out on the street and then you get kidnapped by some ruffians tossed into a, a a room in a house with no way out. Good God.
1: Right. And you know, you're, yeah, you're having the worst day you've ever had. And then it's kind of a, but wait, there's
0: more. This is like her 2020. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Amara Marte foretold. <laughs> 2020 through the story of (laughs) Juliana Valdez. Um, And, you know, I do want to say before we get into it anymore, there isn't sexual assault. But, you know, that's a very real fear when you're watching these scenes. And I don't know if you had felt that way also, Sheena. But I think that that's, yeah, when I was watching in real time, I was very on edge because... Given the show, like you know, they they could have gone there and it would have kind of fit within the show. So I really didn't know if it was going to happen or not. Happy to say that it didn't. I think that
0: there are some, there are threats of it though. Some there kind of threats. threats. Of yeah, yeah. Which made me very. Uh, I I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue watching at that point because I didn't want to go there, right? But I was very happy that they actually didn't fulfill those threats. Still, it was it was not fun. Agreed. All right. So now we cut to uh, a very, very beautifully composed shot of Val sitting next to her fireplace. So there's this, this sort of fireplace that goes between rooms that you see as they sort of walk into the lounge before there's the big fireplace. Right. And so she's sitting there, and in the foreground, there's vases and lamps and things, but it's very nicely coordinated colors, and it's very pretty, and she's trying to get hold of Jules, and she's like, why aren't you answering your phone? And then she puts the phone down and looks irritated, and then in walks Mateo. I remembered his name. He asks how she's doing. Poor Mateo. She's not doing so well in her own right, though, hey? The things with Gia is is bothering her.
1: Yeah, and because D.A. is in jail and he kind of filled this spot for her, um, Mateo slips in and I think that's both just his personality but also for the construct of the show so that she can still kind of have these vulnerable conversations with somebody she trusts because she's not talking to Hools right now. Her brother's in prison and she's definitely not having these conversations with Ava. So it allows her... To kind of put her feelings
0: out there. He's being super supportive and really nice. And I don't know why he married Ava. And she's saying nothing good has happened since dad died. Everything's always negative. I would like to point out though that she actually fell in love since her father died. But I suppose she also broke up. So
1: Yeah, I mean it's very much a conversation of perspective. Yes, she did fall in love. But, yeah, she got kidnapped. Her dad died. The person she fell in love with was a woman. So that faced a lot of backlash. And then they kind of broke up. So she got broken up with. I don't think that Valentina's ever been broken up with. So I'm sure that rocked her foundation a little bit. Gia's in jail. Yeah. So, you know, they're, right now, this is the, I think, the the darkest point of the show when all of these different interests are compounding and everything just feels untenable.
0: Yeah. Just when you think it's, it's at the point, like it's at its lowest, they've broken up, they're not talking, whatever it is. And then there's a glimmer of hope and then bam, Jules gets kidnapped. Woo. Okay. But Matteo says, no, he's got some good news for her. And then she looks hopeful and she's like, are you serious? And then he says, she's going to be an aunt. And it's this very cute moment between Mateo and and Val. He says she's gonna be an aunt and she's like, Are you serious? And then it's just all cute laughter and happiness and it's this kind of this little spark of happiness.
1: And she tells him they have to name the baby Valentina. It's so sweet. She she goes, Okay, Aunt, but can I also be godmother? And you also have to name the baby (laughs) Valentina. Like, it's such a (laughs) vowel thing to do, zero to a hundred. And she's so excited, but, viewer, remember, like, Ava's been knocking boots with the head of one of the cartels, so Mateo's all happy, but we don't really know who the father of this child is.
0: Oh, yeah, that didn't actually occur to me, because I was not really paying attention to Ava's sex life, but you're right. So... Eva walks in at that point and Jules goes up to her, is very excited, hugs her. She, you know, you're going to call this child Valentino, Valentino. And Ava looks very uncertain. And then she says to Mateo, we were supposed to wait to tell them. She does not look happy. No, because
1: Ava. Ava's got a lot going on, you know, again, because I think that like she doesn't know who the father is. Yeah, Matteo told Valentina because he knew it would make her happy, but Ava was trying to keep it quiet because I think that she was trying to control the situation. Um, I don't even know in what universe Matteo found out because I feel like Ava didn't intentionally tell him. So that could be interesting if anybody's watched the full show and knows, um, how that came to pass. Cause I would assume that Ava would try and keep as many people in the dark about it
0: as possible. I assume that her and Mateo have got their own kind of storyline going on though.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: So now we cut back to Lupe and Beltran and she's trying to phone the cops to report Jules's kidnapping. Right. And he sits next to her, pulls the phone out of her hand, switches it off and says, shh. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm calling the cops. And he says, don't get the cops involved. They always ruin it. They don't know how to confront a hitman. And then the music goes all ominous and he looks off into the distance, pondering things. So he knows or has a strong suspicion as to who's kidnapped Juliana.
1: Right. It's not just they plucked somebody vulnerable off the street. They obviously know who she is. So he's already formulating a plan to go outside of the law because he thinks he knows who did it he feels like he knows the right people to help him but even though lupe had this moment of thinking that it was him now she comes back and says you're a stranger i i this is too big for me to just blindly trust you in this situation
0: ultimately yeah so she wants to go to the police so he grabs her as she's standing up pulls her down and says, "Do you want to risk Juliana's life or not?" Then he does this weird thing where he he gets really angry with her and aggressive and pulls her down and sits her down and he's very forceful and then he's like, sort of apologizes and says, "I'm a man of my word. I'm not going to let anything happen to her." I mean, I swear on my life. I don't think that there's
1: anything surprising about that. He's an abusive prick, so he freaks out, <laughs> realizes that's not the right tack unless he wants to fully admit who he is which he doesn't so he has to try a different route to get through to her you know and I think if she would have continued to disagree he probably would have gotten violent um but yeah I everything he did makes sense I do not like him
0: at all I don't think we're meant to like him though
1: Yeah, we'll get, I mean, we'll talk about this in the patrons exclusive. I have a lot of feelings about this idea of good guys versus bad guys or just, you know, flawed characters in general. But I think, you know, there are some people that are firmly in like the good guys column, even though they do bad things. And some people that are in the bad guys column, even though they do good things.
0: Absolutely. So now we cut back to Jules and the soul patch walks into the room. And he says to her, stop crying because you're going to ruin my good mood. And believe me, that won't be good for anyone. So let's save the I don't know anything, let me go game. And get straight to the point, where's your dad? Right, so now we now we have clarity that it is in fact a case of them still looking for El Chino. And Lupe, did, kidnapping Lupe did not work. So now they're going for Jules. So he pulls out, I think, a knife or a gun or something. I couldn't quite see. And he's going on about how he has debt to collect with Alcino. and he's basically threatening her. And she's trying very hard to be brave, but this is a terrifying situation for her. And she's trying very hard to explain that actually she doesn't know where Alcino is, and she doesn't want to know where he is. But Solpatch doesn't believe her.
1: Juliana gets feisty. But in spite of this, she remembers to say, you killed my mom because they're still in hiding. She does a really, really good job. She's defiant, but not, you know, past the point of no return. And even in spite of, you know, her just coming out of a very like traumatic and confusing personal situation, she's handling this pressure about as well as anyone could, I think.
0: And it's probably because this is not the first time she's had to deal with, like, intense pressure with bad guys waving guns and whatnot in her face.
1: Right, her dad brings trouble with him wherever he goes, no matter where they've ever lived. And she makes that comment about, you know, even when I lived with El Chino, I didn't know where he was. And the fact that she's always called him El Chino. Like, he is her father, but he is El Chino. He is this other thing first, this hitman Sicario who leads this life and just happens to have a family but yeah never never painted in like a very good light and I think except for the very beginning and a couple of flashbacks you never really get to see Chino in um Hakubo's you never get to see Chino in like his right body. You're just seeing like Beltran and stuff, which I think is really interesting. But you, yeah, he's always, always been a jerk. I don't think he has very many moments of redemption.
0: Solpatch, who's just freaking delightful, says to Jules, I'm not going to kill you to get back at El Chino. I'm going to kill you just for the pleasure of seeing you suffer. Now that we know that this is the dude that, Eva sleeping with it's sort of I I can't help but really judge Ava even harder than I was already yeah
1: I mean there's maybe something about being attracted to power and I'm not sure what her whole side she's running some sort of side game like she's doing something illegal and that's I think how they met one another but what that illegal thing is specifically I'm not sure
0: Okay, so now we cut to Lucho walks into the apartment and says to Sergio, Dude, you did it! Renting an apartment for the party. Apparently, there's some sort of party going on and and Lucho wants to know how many rooms there are. Sergio's like, there's two rooms and there's a jacuzzi. But he's looking, Sergio's sitting on the couch looking really dejected and sort of a bit sad. Sorry for himself. And he's typing out a text saying, I'm worried about you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you feel uncomfortable. In the meantime, Lucho is wandering around with this bottle of alcohol and just talking about, you could have at least changed the sheets and you could have done this. and.
1: Yeah, and he's actually pretty stand up about it because Lucho is trying to get it out of him who he slept with because he sees the rumpled sheets in the bedroom and Sergio won't tell him and then he takes Sergio's phone and obviously lucho is just kind of like gleeful about how this changes everything i hate him i hate him so much
0: (laughs) so sergio's then like but wasn't she gay dude how did you do it as if it's like this he converted her he did something great for mankind and you know he's running to tell Valentina like you know and Sergio even says to him you can't tell anyone and he's just like sure sure sure
1: and when we get to it the way he's gonna like drop it he thinks he's being so casual just like mentioning it offhandedly to Valentina when it's so intentionally meant to just blow everything
0: up absolutely
1: I think he gets what's coming to him in the
0: show (laughs) i said it i said it okay so next time we're gonna start off with the scene in val's bedroom where she's still trying to get hold of jules on the phone and she leaves a very cute message and that'll be on the next episode monica thank you for joining me today yeah thank you
1: I feel like we really went through it Ugh.
0: You're listening to Lesbians On Screen. I'm Sheena and I'm joined today by author Monica McKellen. Monica, can you tell listeners where they can find you online?
1: Very socially active online. Uh, Just depends on what channel. Uh, So Twitter is my jam if you want to communicate with me and have the best probability that i will communicate back so it's at monica mccallan and that's on twitter i do have a facebook fan page and i have a website www.monicamccallan.com but for sure if you're looking to hang out and engage and chat about stuff twitter is where you can find me
0: thank you for listening to lesbians on screen a podcast that delves into the world of queer women on big and small screens Join us next week as we continue discussing the global phenomenon that is Juliantina. If you love this podcast, then rate us 5 stars on Apple Podcasts and help other fans find us.